Good day and welcome to Follow Spot. Every week we speak with an alumni of the NYU Tisch Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program. I'm your host, Jean-Paul Yovanov. Before we begin, we want to thank the show's sponsors, 35th Parallel Productions and Musical Theater Radio. Today we will be speaking with graduates of Cycle 30, Brooke Trum, she, her, and Carrie Kazmarovich Trim. Brooke and Carrie, welcome to the show. And tell us a little bit about yourselves. Brooke, why don't we start with you? Yeah, so I am a composer. I wrote the music for our show, Pandora Rocks. I started by playing drums when I was nine. So I've been playing drums for around 16 years now. Um, and I grew up watching musical theater. I really got into it um, at an early age and had a friend of mine that had written one in high school. So I ended up orchestrating for that for her when I was about 17. And since then, I've just been in love with the whole environment of theater and working in that sort of space. Um, and I enjoy writing stage shows, but it's been very fun writing this piece with Carrie where we're writing for film instead. Um, and I like to write in all sorts of genres on top of like regular composing. I enjoy orchestrating and arranging as well. I'm Carrie, I started as an actor. I went to undergrad at Syracuse University for acting, but then after I graduated and moved to LA, I found, well, one that I just absolutely hated the audition process. It just wasn't for me, like people who can do it, like, you know, I'm very impressed. But two, I found, um, but I really enjoyed writing. So I started in playwriting. I've had um, several plays produced that I wrote for a children's musical theater publishing company that writes shows to be performed by kids. And those have had a few hundred productions in 10 countries. And um, I've done some screenwriting. I've got a couple things optioned right now. But then um, I really wanted to get better specifically at lyric writing because I grew up, you know, I was the kid that by the time I was 15, I think I had about, um, this was still back in the days where, did you ever have like those CD cases where, you know, you had like four per, per a side and you flip sure. them and you had them all? Yeah. Um, I had 250 cast albums that I carried around in my backpack at high school. Um, yeah. By the time I was about 15, when I was eight, I was listening to like Assassins and Sweeney Todd and, you know, really, really age appropriate stuff. But yeah, because of that, I wanted to get better at exploring more adult themes and more complex emotional and mental um, nuances lyrically. So I decided to go to NYU's graduate musical theater writing program, which is where Brooke and I met. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your latest project, uh, Pandora Rocks. Give us a little synopsis of the show and what made you want to write it? Yeah, so Pandora's Box is a 90-minute animated movie, and it's built off the myth of Pandora's Box. Yeah, uh, the original Greek myth tells of a woman who was given a mysterious box by Zeus. She opens it and all the evils and misery of the world as we know it were released. And in our movie, Pandora is 16 and she is the demigod daughter of Zeus in this case. And so our movie follows her journey of putting the evils back in the box after they've been released. Uh, she uses a battle base forged with Zeus's lightning and takes on the evils in musical battles to save her reputation and humanity. Yeah, and what excited us about this was we took the Pandora's box myth and used it as a lens for when kids 
uh, start to grow up and for the first time face all the evils, the dangers in the world, like really get sick for the first time, experience, you know, death of someone for a first time, all of those sorts of things. And they feel like on this big epic level when you're a kid and you've never been through that before. So we were like, well, let's take Pandora, take Pandora and have this literally be the first time that these things have ever happened. And then those are sort of the beat by beat elements through the story. The overarching thing that we were excited, excited to explore has more directly to do with her relationship with Zeus and again ties into this metaphor that for kids when they're first realizing that their parents aren't the gods that they thought they were that you know they are fallible they do make mistakes they can make bad choices that sort of thing and wrestling with that especially when you believed your whole life that maybe your parent knows everything or what have you in this case this is someone who literally has a god with a as a parent <laughs> wrestling with that idea why don't we take a listen to one of the songs from Pandora Rocks? Uh, the, maybe the title, title song of Pandora Rocks. Well, can you set it up uh, where it fits into the show? Yeah, so this is pretty early on. This is right after uh, Pandora has been tricked into opening the box and releasing all the evils into the world. And now the whole community hates her. They've started chanting at her, you know, Pandora's box because of the way that um, she's, she's, changed lives you know in ways that can never be put back for everyone and um and in the first part that we hear that's her like thinking about the way that you know she's experiencing hate from people for the first time when she's saying the pandora's box part there's a a scene that isn't included in the song that is when she starts to really think about well why was she given this box at this point like she still believes the god Zeus, her dad, like, would never really try to hurt anyone, especially her. There must be a reason for this. And in our version, Zeus first really proved himself as a god when he put the evils in the box the first time years ago before he created humans. So she believes that she comes to convince herself that Zeus gave her this as a test so she can prove herself as a god and finally take a place amongst the gods. And so that's what she's just the conclusion she's just come to before we hear it launch into the second part of the song great so let's listen to the title song from pandora rocks on follow spot pandora's box pandora's box they say that i'm cursed that's how i'm defined they claim i'm the worst of humankind before i've begun they say that I'm done, Pandora's box. After waiting so long, is this finally my shot? This may be my one chance to show what I got. When the evils have lost, the world will learn that I'm great. They see that being a god was always my fate. If I'm gonna do this, then I'm doing this right. I'll be just like my dad and use lightning to fight. Oh, the evils will fall to the sound of my face. I'll put them back in the box without any trace. Then when people look my way 
the worst of humankind. My story's not done. It's only begun. Pandora rocks. No second thoughts. No delay. No slowing down. I won't be swayed. No second thoughts. No delay, no slowing down until that day. Pandora's box, Pandora's box. My name's not a curse, I won't be defined or blamed for the worst of humankind. Pandora's box, Pandora's box. Accused all day long, but I got nothing to hide. I choose to be strong at the We just heard a song from Pandora Rocks. Uh, we're talking with the creators, Brooke and Carrie. I understand the show is directed towards a younger audience. I'd love to learn more about this choice. Yeah, so initially when Carrie and I did uh, learn that we would be writing this project together, we did not anticipate writing a kid's show. And I think something that uh, ended up happening as we have now written a kid's show is we both learned that we have either like media that we consumed as kids or didn't see as kids that we wish would have existed. So we wanted to bring a piece to life that would sort of talk about these lessons that we often shelter kids from, but that are important things for them to understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know for me personally, and Brooke and I have talked about this a lot, like one of the things when I was a kid in the 90s is so many stories were about, you know, like family. Family is the most important thing. Like you know, who you were born to, like that's blood thicker than water, all of all of those sorts of like lessons that we've all been taught. But when you come from a home where, you know, where things are a little tricky, that can feel more confining than uplifting. And so we're very passionate about the idea of like chosen family, but also like coming to reckon with the fact that your family, they're just people too. And they make, they can make poor decisions. They can make decisions that even if there was the best intent aren't always healthy for you and it's healthy to decide what you know what are the um the barriers the what is the distance you want to put up between your you and your family like what are you comfortable with and so for us one of the things that this eventually reckons with is her deciding like what is the relationship she's comfortable having with Zeus, who as a god believes that he can command everything, do whatever he wants and that sort of thing and setting, yeah, her for the first time, setting boundaries. This show was written to be animated and not necessarily for the stage. Uh, why did you make this choice? And, and did you find any differences for writing that way rather for, than for the live stage? I know Carrie and I both grew up watching like the classic Disney Renaissance animated movie musicals and really admired those and the craft involved there. And I think one thing that we were excited to play with in choosing to do an animated musical is how 
lets you can explore the world in the space that you're in. You're not limited to what you can physically pay for on a stage, what you can physically put on or make happen. So I know with like the evils, there's so much like uh, fun effects and they have like an essence that's going to float around. And there are just things that you might have a hard time it would be very expensive to recreate on a stage but in animation it can just like exist and live and be explored yeah yeah exactly and from like a very specific sort of like craft standpoint in terms of storytelling one of the interesting things as we were going back and watching all these animated films that had inspired us when we were kids is how often like the songs and the visuals are working in tandem, but they're not, they're often not doing the exact same work. Like you have a song in, you know, Prince of Egypt that's about like, you know, joy or luck or faith or whatever it is. And then in the visuals, you're seeing like this couple get together and get married, for example, that sort of thing. They're thematically related, but you're able to do a lot of layering in terms of, um, you know, the elements of the story being told at the same time. And you can do some of that on stage, but there is like a principle that I know a fair number of people tend to believe that you shouldn't always count on people on stage being able to follow something if it's just seen. Like, you know, if it's dance and choreography, that's one thing. But if it's an important thing with like, say, an item being handed over, like you don't just have the character handed over because the people in the background might not see it. You have to go like, here's the key of blah, 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 or whatever it is. But in the animated world, you actually, you know, don't want the visuals to just be repeating what's being said. You want to be doing multiple things at once in terms of what's getting conveyed and taught to the audience. So that was exciting to get to play with, which is, yeah, a, a different sort of um, nuance than crafting stories for the stage. Yeah, and we were also really interested in making a movie musical that has more of a pacing similar to a stage musical. So like a lot of the Disney movies, like Max have six songs and we have 12 <laughs> and we might have more, who knows? So I think it's like, we wanted to make that exciting pacing of song, short scene song and let the music really propel the story that is so exciting in stage shows, but have it work in a movie setting. I think this would be a great spot to take a listen to another song. Uh, tell us a little bit about Joy After Death. Yeah, so at this point in the story, this is about two thirds of the way through, uh, Pandora has just learned that uh, death, the evil, <laughs> and the concept uh, has gotten her mother. And she heads toward the underworld to confront her Aunt Hades to get her mom back. And Hades essentially says, that's not possible. If you go through the gates, you will die. And after having sort of all the fight knocked out of her, Pandora uh, just is comforted by Hades and Hades sings that song to sort of help her cope with her mother's death. Great. This is Joy After Death from Pandora Rocks on Follow Spot. Life is like a chapter that has come to an end. What comes next? Well, that will depend. Each person must choose if their story will thrive the same as they did when they were alive. Happiness 
is not blocked off by gates. Peace of mind is not ruled by the fates. Deciding how to live does not end with breath. Every soul must find their own joy after death. So you can't say for sure that my mom will be happy? There's no way of knowing how your mother will feel. She'll find peace when she's ready to heal. I trust she'll let go of the pain that she knew. The very same trust that I have in you. Blocked off by gates. Peace of mind is not ruled by the fates. Deciding how to live does not end with breath. Every soul must find their own joy after death. Every story continues, both hers and mine. One day our paths will realign. But for now, there is work to be done. My story has just begun. Happiness is not blocked off by gates. Peace of mind is not ruled by the fates. Deciding how to live does not end with breath. So my mom will find her own joy after Great song, Brooklyn Carey. Great song. Uh, my question is, what's next for the show? Where do you envision it going from here? Yeah, so uh, at this point, you know, we got great feedback. It was great to start to develop it at the Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program. And right now we're incorporating some final rewrites, rewriting a couple of songs and polishing up some more demos for it beyond the two that you've heard here so that way we can the game plan is to hopefully shop shop it around this fall in hollywood um where i'm located and you know we're we're hoping to talk to like netflix has been doing some really cool stuff recently as far as really getting into the animated uh, musical world like with over the moon and um 
Harlow the alligator boy. Yes, thank you. Yeah. That's what I was blanking on just now. And yeah, they're entering that space in a really cool way in terms of a sorts of animated musicals that they're exploring. And it seems like, you know, they're just doing more and more in that world. So we're excited to hopefully talk to them, but also obviously Warner Brothers, Nickelodeon, Paramount, Disney, all of the stuff we've been doing. We're just, yeah, excited to see hopefully who's excited as excited about this piece as we are. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Brooke and Carrie, for joining us today and telling us a little bit about uh, your musical Pandora Rocks. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Jean-Paul. Not a problem. Well, that's it for today's episode of Follow Spot. We want to thank our sponsors, Musical Theatre Radio and 35th Parallel Productions, and of course, NYU's Tisch Graduate Musical Theatre Writing Program. I'm Jean-Paul Yovanoff, and please continue to support new creators and their works, because today's new musical might just be tomorrow's Broadway hit. <laughs>